At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Are you interested in black and white photography? We recently created a mini course for anyone who wants to take amazing black and white photographs both indoors and outdoors. It's essentially a crash course made up of 11 lessons that will introduce you to the genre, inspire you to try new things, and help you take amazing photographs, all within a short period of time. The current price is $19. We'll increase the price on January 1st, so make sure to take advantage of this amazing deal right now. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. I look forward to helping you take your black and white photography skills to the next level. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this week's episode, I talk to Nicolas Saint-Pierre, a documentary and street photographer from Canada. Nicolas works as a diplomat and has a background in law and reporting. We talk about how his life in Japan inspired him to create the book Where Have the Birds Gone, how he takes photos that help viewers look at the world from a fresh perspective, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Nicola. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you, Taya. It's a really a pleasure for me to be here as well. Uh, thank you very much uh, also for the invitation to appear as a guest on uh, the Great Big Photography World podcast. I was born in uh, 1974 in a small town located some 60 kilometers outside of Montreal in Quebec, Canada. Uh, but I've spent a significant portion of my adult life abroad. Uh, first as an exchange student, uh, then as a diplomat posted to China and Japan. Uh, but I'm currently based in Ottawa, Canada, speaking to you from, from my basement, actually, because of the lockdown uh, restrictions imposed on, on people at the moment. Curiosity about the world is, is very much part of my DNA, uh, both as an individual and as a photographer. 
So I think you won't be surprised to uh, to hear, and your listeners won't be, that I devote most of my spare time capturing the places and the people that I encounter through my professional and personal travels. When I look back at uh, the last three decades, uh, I cannot help but acknowledge that my photography practice, uh, my photography practice, has considerably evolved over time. Uh, of all photographic genres, uh, documentary and street photography uh, are those that I would say that currently appeal to me the most. Wonderful. Such a great introduction. You have such an interesting story as a photographer, I think, based on your portfolio and you have a very diverse portfolio. So I think we'll have a very, very creative and inspiring conversation. And that was a great introduction to start the interview. Let's move on to the more technical side of things. What camera equipment mm -hmm. do you use? Well, for the last years uh, or so, I've been shooting uh, exclusively with uh, Fujifilm cameras, as I really, really appreciate their portability, uh, their lightweight, and their responsiveness. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I currently own three of the Fujifilm cameras, uh, the X100V, the X-T3, and uh, also the medium format uh, JFX100S, which is quite bulky, but which I love as well. But um, gear is one thing, but uh, I must say that although like the, the Fujifilm cameras uh, have, have served me very well over time, I'm ultimately convinced that uh, the best camera, and I'm not the only one to say that, but uh, it is the one that remains with you at all times. Um, because you never know when a magical moment will appear uh, before your eyes. And if you don't have your camera, then it's, it's worthless. So ultimately, I think that photo gear is, is just a tool uh, at the service of one's vision. Not, nothing more than that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good philosophy to have as a photographer, because then you don't feel limited and you don't feel like you have to have the latest equipment with you at all times. Correct. Although, like, I, I, we, we all fall victim of what people call a gear acquisition syndrome at times. So uh, I must confess that there, there are times where I look at that new camera and I say, mm, I'd like to have it. So we're not immune to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm sure the listeners can relate to that. It's a natural human reaction, I guess. We want the very best of the best, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to congratulate you on being the winner of the Urban Book Award for your book, Where Have the Birds Gone? Please tell me about it and what inspired you to create it in the first place. Well, thank you very much, Daya. Um, well, in summer 2015, I moved to Tokyo uh, to take a position at the uh, Embassy of Canada in Japan. And a few months into my stay there, I had uh, the quite unique opportunity of attending a one-week workshop uh, that was offered by then Magnum photographer uh, David Allen Harvey. The workshop uh, really pushed me to the limit. Uh, it was a very difficult workshop. And it sparked a deep reflection about my photography and the, and the direction in which uh, it was heading. In particular, uh, it, it prompted me to explore how I could use photography as a means of expressing my own emotions. And the body of work uh, that is presented in Where Have the Birds Gone uh, started to take shape really in the wake of that uh, Magnum workshop. 
during the four years, so I was in like four years in Japan, and during those four years, I spent countless hours exploring on foot the streets and the back alleys of Tokyo. And almost every day, I was stopped dead in my own tracks by the unexpected sight of something that was strange that did not quite belong to the scene, or by the silence or the deafening silence of something that cried out to be there, um, but that wasn't. So despite all the time and efforts that I had invested to learn Japanese, acquaint myself with the local culture, I was never really able to completely shake off um, the impression that I had set foot in some kind of strange land. So my book, Where Have the Birds Gone?, actually constitutes my own attempt at rendering the sense of alienation, unease, and at times like impending doom that I felt while uh, living in Japan. Wow, that's a very interesting story. And it really shows that you care about your work and you really put a lot of thought into it. And it's very interesting to look at photography from that perspective where especially if it's maybe a negative feeling that you experience, because usually we want to capture, or often we want to capture positive feelings. But in your mm -hmm. case, you thought about isolation and how you felt being, you know, an outsider in a different country. Uh, I think that's, uh, yeah, very thought-provoking and definitely not easy. Was there a specific moment when you decided that you wanted to create a book? You said it was during the workshop, but when was the what moment? At what moment did you the, feel like you really... The, the book yeah, sorry. The, the book itself, uh, the idea of creating a book came later uh, mm -hmm. because I, I produced that body of work almost instinctively. Like I was not thinking about like the outlet or what shape it would take. Uh, as I said, I was like walking every day um, and and taking photos here and there. And it's only towards the end of my fourth years that I thought, well, maybe there's something there. But the... Um, the impetus for it, uh, well, I mentioned the workshop, but there was also one moment, and that's where the title of the books comes from, um, where I was walking in the streets and I looked up uh, and I saw a very inextricable mesh of uh, electric wire up there. Like for people, for your listeners who will have been to Japan, they will know exactly what this is because it's very messy. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, how strange. Like, there's no bird like it's it's the opposite of that romantic vision that you that you have that there's an electric wire and then there's a little bird and i thought to myself oh where have the birds gone and and somehow this title stuck with me and and for the four years and after that i say okay i think like i need to regroup those photos sequence them and and make a book out of them so the, the book i made in um, after i returned to canada in 2020 basically the beginning of 2020 and was that your first book it was my first book yeah uh, it was self-published uh, at first um so no secret there i just like produce it and publish it, self-publish it on Blurb. And uh, and then I had the chance to uh, see it published by uh, the organizers of the Urban Book Award uh, after the book uh, won the award la last year. So um, I I've self-published other books, uh, at least one one other book since, um, which is available on, on Blurb. Uh, but uh, published by an editor, that's that's the only one so far, but I hope won't be the last one. 
I hope so too. It's really exciting. It must have been so thrilling for you to self-publish a book and then submit it to a competition and then have it be published officially by a huge company like that. It's been amazing, yes. What advice would you give to photographers who want to participate in competitions? Hmm. Well, might sound sound strange, but I, I wish I was in a position to offer good advice in that regard. But to be honest, I'm still marveling at the fact that Where Have the Birds Gone won the 2021 Urban Book Award. Um, over the years, I've participated in, in several photo competitions, um, but with varying degrees of success. Um, one thing that winning the Urban Book Award taught me is that one should be perseverant and refuse to be dragged down by setbacks. Indeed, uh, before gaining recognition in Trieste, where have the birds gone failed to be noticed in far less prestigious and competitive um, photo contests here in Canada? So I believe that in the end, it all comes down to a matter of taste and aesthetics. What I learned through, through this experience is that what is considered good photography in one region of the world might not be regarded very highly in another region and vice versa. Um, if you look at the like the various photo competitions out there, and there are quite a lot, you'll realize that each competition has its own niche and typically caters to photographers who share a common understanding of what constitutes good photography. So I would say before spending money to enter a photo competition, take some time to look at winning entries from previous editions and ask yourself whether your style fits in that aesthetics that the festival likes. Other than that, I would say that passion and, and the dedication that flows from it is probably the most important ingredient needed to get noticed as a photographer. Think that if you relentlessly pursue your dreams, your objectives, and if you never stop seeking opportunities to hone your skills and become more literate as a photographer, and that's something you can do by attending workshops, visiting exhibitions, uh, perusing photo books, then ultimately I think that you are bound to become a photographer, a better photographer because you will have been exposed to so much good photography that um, somehow you, you will absorb all of that knowledge and it will come out. And if you're lucky, then eventually uh, some of those photo contests that you apply for um, will end up uh, being successes for you. That's wonderful advice. Thank you for sharing that. And isn't it beautiful that as photographers, as you said, we have this chance to go to exhibitions and join workshops, and there's always an endless source of knowledge for us to continually improve. So there's no end point. I find that really beautiful. That's that. That's you're absolutely right. Like podcasts such as yours are, are very useful, and they make photography accessible to people wherever they they are in the world. And I, and I find if there's a silver lining to the uh, current pandemic is that the offering for like courses, conferences online has just exploded in the last two years. So you can be in your basement and you can listen to some of the uh, greatest uh, photographers in the world uh, without having to spend thousands of dollars to travel and uh, attend their workshops. So that's that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so many options for people with all kinds of budgets. So regardless of your budget, you can find something helpful for yourself, both online and offline. So yeah, it's it's wonderful. 
Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. You have a very diverse background that includes law and reporting, and you're also a diplomat, as you mentioned. How have these occupations affected your worldview as a photographer? Hmm. That's a very interesting and, and difficult question. <laughs> I feel it's almost philosophical. <laughs> um, frankly, I, I've never really paused to think how my professional background has influenced my worldview as a photographer. But I think if I think of it, I'd be tempted to say that it has not. Uh, and perhaps a more accurate way of putting it would be to say that I've developed an interest in law, journalism, and diplomacy, as well as photography, because of who I am and because of my world outlook. Um, as I pointed out at the beginning of this interview, Curiosity has been a defining trait of my personality for as long as I can remember. And I think this might be the common thread that underpins both my professional pursuits and my photography. Uh, as an individual, I attach great importance to reason, facts, and justice in my life. And this probably explains my interest in, in documentary photography, uh, in a sense. But yet, as you will have seen, my photography cannot be reduced to, to that. Um, as I explained earlier, my approach to photography has, has considerably evolved over time. And nowadays, what I like about photography is that I can use it as a mean to dive deep into myself and express my own feelings and state of mind. Um, of course, I won't claim that all of my work uh, and all of the work that I do is a mirror of my soul, but this is certainly something that I'm more conscious of and that I actively pursue in some of my more personal projects, such as uh, Where Have the Birds Gone? Great answer, and definitely a unique answer as well, because you refer to your curiosity as being the foundation for everything else that you are interested in. And I think that's absolutely fascinating. And it makes a lot of sense, for sure. On your website, you. you say that one of your goals is to lead the viewer to look at the world with a fresh pair of eyes. It takes a lot of skill to achieve this. So I'm curious to know, what approach do you use to help viewers look at the world from a fresh perspective? <laughs> Another good question. Well, I, I wish I could tell you that I found the perfect secret recipe uh, to ensure that all of my photographs make people pause and look at the world with a fresh pair of eyes, but I haven't. <laughs> Rather, um, this is an aspirational statement. This is what I aim to do in my photography. That said, 
I think that I might have found some useful ingredients, uh, which I'm happy to share with you today. First of all, one has to admit that you can't escape the fact that all photographs comprise a huge part of subjectivity. Uh, oftentimes, as a photographer, uh, you will stop to look at something or take photographs of something that other people might pass without even noticing. And this is because each individual, each photographer has a unique sensibility. But now, when you click on the shutter, you're also making a deliberate decision uh, to include certain elements in the frame and exclude others. And in so doing, you can create mystery. You can challenge the viewer's assumptions and leave him or her with unanswered questions about what might be happening in the scene and what they're looking at. Um, this is very much a, a technique that I have used uh, in Where Have the Birds Gone? Another useful technique uh, to lead viewers to look at the world with a fresh pair of eyes is to carefully choose the moment at which you press uh, the shutter. Obviously, uh, you, you know the, the concept of the decisive moment of Henri Cartier-Bresson. Um, it has become famous, but uh, I think there's there's much value in it because when you freeze fleeting moments, you will end up capturing scenes that would otherwise go unnoticed and you reveal the extraordinary in everyday life because like never would people pause to look at a person like at one 250th of a second while the ball is in the air or something is happening. So I would say these are some of the ingredients that I use um to yeah lead the viewer to see the world with a fresh pair of eyes but i i don't always succeed uh, photography is a mix of uh, of um, failures uh, lots of failures uh, lead to a few successes so <laughs> have to keep trying absolutely yes we have to constantly try and experiment with new things and challenge ourselves and i like what you said about challenging the viewer and sort of guiding them in a way so that they assume something about the subject or they think differently about something. And as I said earlier, it's definitely very difficult to achieve that, but it's something that's possible for everybody. So if, if any of the listeners are interested in this approach, then it's possible with persistence and patience and a little bit of imagination, I guess. Absolutely. You have a balance of color and black and white photographs in your portfolio. How do you decide when to shoot in or to convert to black and white? Well, by looking at my website, indeed, like one will will see that over the years, I, I've produced both color and black and white work. Um, the first street photographers that I became acquainted with as a teenager were uh, Robert Doineau and Henri Cartier-Bresson, uh, both of whom, as you know, uh, work in black and white. It just thus felt really natural for me when I picked up photography as a hobby uh, 30 years ago uh, to shoot in black and white. And on honestly, on a very pragmatic level, this also allowed me to process my own film and make my own prints, uh, something that I, I no longer do, uh, unfortunately. But uh, as a teenager, uh, there was a dark room um, at my high school, and that's that coincided with, with the moment where I got interested in photography. With time, however, uh, I opened myself to other influences uh, and I started introducing color uh, in, in my work. Now, I know that 
some photographers uh, argue that one should avoid uh, doing both color and black and white projects. Um, they say, oh, like one should choose a side, so to speak, uh, because ultimately this will be your, your unique signature. Uh, with all due respect for those photographers, I, I disagree uh, with this idea. I think that more than a matter of taste, uh, I see color and black and white as uh, two of the many creative tools that a photographer can use to convey his or her emotions, state of mind, and mood. So I don't see why a photographer should renounce to these tools for a simple matter of principle. Um, in my view, I could not have made Where Have the Birds Gone in color because it would not have adequately conveyed the sense of unease and alienation that I felt at the time. Like it's a black and white project because, yeah, I was, I was feeling, um, living that experience in, in black and white. So ultimately, my, my view is that I believe that style should be at the service of one's vision and message, not the other way around. And this is what is guiding me, and uh, this is what will continue to guide me. I really agree with you, and I have the same approach to my work. And obviously, everybody has a different approach to photography. Everybody has different principles, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to not limit yourself just out of principle because then, as you said, you can try new things all the time and it's better for you as a photographer. It gives you more opportunities to express yourself. So yeah, I understand why you chose to shoot in black and white for where have the birds gone as well. It definitely gives your images that eerie look, uh, like a strange isolating feeling and it would have been probably very, very difficult to achieve that in color. So yeah, good choice and uh, great answer again. <laughs> As a diplomat, you have a talent for connecting with strangers. And as a person, I'm sure you have a natural talent for that as well. Do you have any advice for shy photographers who want to get better at communicating with their subjects? Well, I don't know that I have a special talent for connecting with strangers just by virtue of my, my profession. And I must say, I'm, I'm also a shy person. If anything, I would say that it is photography that helps me uh, connecting with strangers the most. Uh, to me, the camera is an extraordinary tool because it helps me stepping out of my comfort zone. It's an invitation to explore the world. It's a mean to build bridges between myself and the other. And in fact, what the camera gives me is an excuse and an incentive to get closer, to, to connect emotionally and physically with the outside world. When I have a camera in hand, I feel much less intimidated to go towards people that I don't know and start like chatting with them, asking them questions, because I feel that I have a purpose to do so. So when I'm on the streets taking photographs, um, I, I never use telephoto lenses or otherwise try to be overly sneaky. Um, I envy those photographers who are like ninjas or flies on the walls and that manage to be invisible at all time. But more often than not, in my case, uh, that doesn't work. Like people notice me. So what I lack in invisibility, I must make up in approachability, mm -hmm. I would say. So my camera is always in plain sight. And if people notice me, I will just simply smile or nod at them so that they don't feel threatened by my presence. 
Um, at times, I'll stop, uh, introduce myself, and explain why I'm out there uh, taking photographs. Uh, explain to them that I'm working on such and such project, and um, and I feel this will go a long way uh, to uh, to have their collaboration, or or if not their collaboration, I find that by doing so, people will drop their guard. Um, they if I stick around long enough, they will eventually forget my presence and go about doing whatever they were doing, their activities, as if I wasn't there. And then that will give me the chance to capture uh, candid moments. Yes, they know that I'm there, but they've forgotten about it. And uh, and that works, at least for me. And the silver lining in having this approach is that if I'm lucky, then I will get to know the people I photograph and I'll hear some of the unique stories that uh, they have to tell. Because more and more I realize like, yeah, taking a, a, a photograph is great, but also like meeting all of these people and, and, and knowing who they are and, and learning about their world, which is different from mine, is has been fascinating. So. I'd say this is the approach uh, that I've taken and that's been working for me. It must be very enriching to meet so many people. And as you said, to hear their stories and not just to photograph them without getting to know them first. You probably at the end of your photo shoots have all these like, so many fascinating stories that you think about later in life. Correct. And and, and I take I, I take notes like I'm working on a project now where I'm spending a lot of time outdoors meeting uh, meeting people and um, I chat with them and I take notes because I don't know whether like what they tell me, like they, they tell me about their lives. Ultimately, like this might all feed in into uh, a different kind of project. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel it's an important component of the work I do. And and this way, uh, I think photography doesn't seem as exploitative, like you're not just like grabbing something and running away, like you're you're also giving people something in return by interacting. And so, as I said, the, it's a formula that has worked for me and that I like. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a good formula that I have a question about model releases, because as somebody who doesn't specialize in street or documentary photography, I'm not very familiar with the laws. I mean, Every country has its own laws related to photography, but in general, when it comes to photographing people and when their faces are visible and recognizable, uh, when it comes to publishing a book with their faces, how does that work? Hmm. Um, it, it's a good question. You're, you're right in pointing out that uh, every jurisdiction is, is different. Uh, laws vary everywhere, and you have to be mindful of that. So I'm more familiar living in Canada with the with the situation here. Um, in general, and I think not only in Canada, but in many countries, when people are outside uh, going about uh, doing their activities in the open, um, they don't have legally a reasonable expectation of privacy. Uh, if you're in the public space, then that means that your photograph can be taken and it could be published for documentary purposes or for street photography. What you can't do, uh, however, is use photographs that you've taken of people without their permission to sell uh, commercial products. So you couldn't put the, the, the photograph of somebody like playing basketball at the park um, sell it to uh, Nike or Reebok and uh, and say, hey, use that for your advertisements uh, in magazines. 
for doing that, you would need releases. But having worked as a reporter before, uh, and like I was on the other side of reporting because I was uh, I was writing, I was the author, uh, but I was observing the photographers who would accompany me on the assignments, and all they would do is like showing their camera, asking people their name, and then taking photographs and there was an implicit understanding that if they had agreed to be photographed, they knew who the person photographing them was, then that meant they had agreed uh, to the photograph being published. So I've used releases in certain instances uh, when uh, it wasn't too cumbersome uh, to use them. But in general, I don't mind that much. Uh, As long as you're also mindful of people's dignity and, and and you make sure that like you're not making up stories you're not showing a photograph of somebody you took on the street and then like inventing a caption saying oh that person is a junkie or and you don't know anything about that person like that would be obviously unethical uh, i think you you can go a long way without model releases would be my long answer to your short question <laughs> That's a great answer. It's because, uh, I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people wonder about, especially, I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this, Uh, you know, especially if you're not a street photographer, you're still curious about the whole process. And it is interesting to know. But yes, it's definitely important to familiarize yourself with different laws in each country, whichever country you're living in, to make sure that you don't break any rules accidentally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. That that's critical, because there are countries, uh, in this world where you're not even allowed to take photographs on the streets. So, uh, so if you go there, yeah, you, you better read before going anywhere and starting taking photographs in the street. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I have one more question for you. And sure. that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? <laughs> well, I don't know that there's only one thing that I'd like to achieve in the great big photography world. Um, when I look at some of the photographs that I made after I picked up my first camera some 30 years ago, uh, I realized that I'd come a long way. And uh, humbly, I'd say I know I've, I've become much more intent, confident, and talented photographer than I was 30 years ago. Learning about photography and discovering new sources of inspiration has been an amazing journey. And I can only hope that this learning process will will never end. And if along the way I can make more photo projects that resonate with people, I think I'll be more than happy. So these are my aspirations for now. It is so nice. You have lovely aspirations and I wish you the very best with achieving them. I'm sure that you will continue taking beautiful photographs in different countries and adding more and more outstanding photographs to your portfolio. Once again, congratulations on being the winner of the Urban Book Award. And thank you so much for being on this podcast with me. Thank you very much, Daya. It was a real pleasure uh, meeting you and chatting with you. Likewise. Thank you. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes.
I really enjoyed speaking with Nicolas about his amazing work, and I found out so much about documentary and street photography thanks to him. I hope that you also learned a lot thanks to this episode, and I will see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.